This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi guys, just another shout out to our uh, podcast sponsor before this episode, uh, FIFA Factory. Um, if you haven't already heard, um, it's a FIFA community online that does 90s overalls set up by Matt Phillip and Rich Anderson. Uh, you basically, you join a league system, you play against other people in your leagues, you earn points as mid-season cups, you help each other with ultimate team tips, you help each other with uh, tactics setups, um, you can hopefully try and get your favourite team if they ever become available everyone's got the same quality players and it's, it's a barrel of fun so please do head over to them and we have the exciting uh, if you haven't already seen uh, partnership now with FanHub which is the brilliant new app which is um, all about you know helping the fans feel involved and get rewarded for following their team rather than you know it becoming something uh, monetized by some of the bigger corporations. It's a it's a brilliant app worth downloading. Matched with you know it's got score predictions. You can it's got a fan content section based on each club, so you can choose to either follow your own club's news and go have a look at what's happening somewhere else. Um, and we are part of that fan, fan content section now in Hull City, um, which is along with Vavil and. Um, the Tigers, Tigers, blah 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 podcast. So some brilliant content on there for any Hull City fans wanting to hear. Um, definitely worth a download. It's already on a thousand members within the first five days of its launch, I believe. So it's gaining momentum and it is a load of fun. So please do head over and check it out. We we've shared the Twitter handle about. Thanks, guys. Tigers, Tigers, burning bright on hallowed turf, a glorious sight. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? Tigers, tigers, burning bright. Now then, guys, um, welcome back to the latest episode of To Hull and Back. Um, I'm back for this one. I hope everybody missed me. But Will did a good job, didn't you, Will? No. <laughs> Will did all right. I'd listen to it. It was a good, good episode, to be fair. It was nice to actually not be involved um, and, and listen to it as a as a neutral, to be fair. Joel is doing his first ever two appearances in a row, which That's I think is, um, I don't know how we've managed uh, to coax him on twice in a row. Happy days. I'm in a good mood after recent results. Yes. Uh, so... I know I was I was kind of gutted I couldn't talk about um, the last two games that I missed that well obviously I watched them but I missed out on being able to talk about them 
Um, but we've still got another game, good game to cover. We've got um, our 3-0 win against Plymouth, which I'm going to go out on a whim and say I didn't expect at all. I thought it'd be a, a much tougher game than it was. Um, I don't know if you two agree with me on that one. Well, I think I predicted a 2-1 mm. win on the last I predicted 3-1. Yeah. So we're I both fairly confident. Yeah, whilst we're on the subjects of um, predictions, actually, Will, if you listen to the episode prior to the Crew and Northampton game, I got both results bang on. Just Ooh, throwing that out in. there. Look and, uh, big Ed. To be fair, that's the first. And I wish I'd have put them on the um, the prediction league on the fans forum as well, but I didn't. I'm gutted. I put different ones on for them. I thought, well, why am I doing two? It doesn't matter. But I got them right, and that's the important thing. 2-1 uh, and 3-0. But yeah, so 3-0 against Plymouth. I'm going to probably go to Joel first, because it's been a, been a while since I've been on a pod with Joel. Joel, give us your summary of Plymouth. Well, it was it was overall a very good performance. I feel like we controlled the entire game and Plymouth very rarely looked like they were going to threaten us. There's quite a few players, which I'm sure we'll go on to soon, picking our favourites for the game. But I'd say, yeah, we looked very convincing. And if we can carry that type of play into the next couple of games, especially against two difficult opponents, I feel like we could push ourselves towards the top spot and securing that, really. Yeah, spot on. Anything um, you want to add, Will? What's your summary of the game? I think he's got it spot on. It was a superb, kind of typical away performance for City in recent weeks. Just dominated the game almost from start to finish. Didn't give Plymouth a single shot, really. And just when they had the chances, pretty much put them away, which is a rarity for City. Normally they'd have several and miss, but pretty much when they got in front of goal, they scored pretty much all the great chances they had. Yeah. I mean, the thing was with this game is I wasn't as confident going into it as I was um, like the Northampton game, for example. I knew Crew was going to, I knew Crew would give us exactly what they did. Uh, but Plymouth had very good home record, I think. And I know that we've, yeah. we're very good away, but I, I sort of expected more of a, a Crew type challenge. I, I thought from the first minute to the last week, because we usually start quite slow. I think we're starting to book that trend lately, but in the first 20 minutes, we usually look quite dire. And we hang on for a bit and then sort of turn it on later on in the match. But I thought from from right from the off this time, we looked like we was going straight for the jugular. And I think that was quite important. I think um, whoever did the the socials after the game for C was saying, Docky, I think he said that it was the way they started that, that really set the the precedent for the rest of the game. And yeah, we just looked, looked in control throughout it. It was a good game also. Like, you know, we didn't, there wasn't a, a sit back um, deployment, which is always nice to see. Uh, from Plymouth, they, they did try and get in behind us, but we were, everyone was just on the game, I believe. So I think the new structure for me, I'm going to ask for three good points and three good bad points. It can be a player, can be a, something someone said in the media, it can be anything to do with the, the, the game. But I'll go to Will first because three good points. Will three good points: Keen Lewis Potter, Josh McGuinness, Greg Doherty. Elaborate. The goal scorers. <laughs> you can't get more like that. Okay, well, Keen Lewis Potter thought that was one of his best games for a long while. Obviously, got a goal and an assist. Took his goal superbly. Nicely assisted Doherty for his goal. Obviously, I thought um, McGuinness. It was nice to have him back once again, starting up front instead of Eves and leading the line with the sort of confidence and that we need up front. And Doherty, who ran the show pretty much along, alongside George, I think he, I think he had a better game than Honeyman did. Overall, he was just 
he's got better and better and better with every single game that we've played. And he's nearly, I think he's nearly, it's almost sacrilege to say it, but I think he's nearly level with Honeyman as my favourite player this season. Yeah, Docky is a weird one because um, I watched it with my uncles at theirs. And Docky, I think, probably goes under the radar for like a player of the season contender because he doesn't have the stats that Honeyman has. But Docky has got sort of that different ability that isn't recorded by stats. Like he's the he's the player that comes back, receives the ball off the defense, and then single-handedly drives us forward as a team. Like his first thought is always just run into that space, take on a play. Like he's seen by his goal. Um, he just got the ball and he rounded two players and he just kept going. Played out to Kino and then gone to the edge of the box. Like, still got that desire to keep going forwards and he wanted to score goals. So, he's got such an importance to this team. So, yeah, I do. I, I agree. It's going to be tough, I think, if if when it comes down to the vote for player of the season and their importance to the team, because there's so many you could say. Yeah, I agree with all them three. Uh, what about you, Joel? Three good points. So I'm going to go with the same approach as Will and just pick players because it's, it's easy, really, isn't it? <laughs> but um, you've, got, you've got to go the easy option. But, um, yeah, for me, Jacob Graves, a couple of really good blocks, which kind of kept us out of arm's length. It kept us in front and kept us on the front foot. So, yeah, he he contributed quite well to the defence. Regan Slater, who I've probably belittled him quite a lot this season, he was sweeping things up around... Um, at the back of midfield, protecting our defenders and just doing what he's in there for now. He's in his new position and he's taking it he's taking it with both hands. And one more, I'd probably say Doherty as well, just because he's, he's just the engine of the midfield. He's running back, running forward, making sure that there's space for the other midfielders to be able to go into as well as making his own room as well. So I think, yeah, I think they're the three good points, I'd say, for, for the game. Yeah, fair play. I can agree with all them again. It's, I think it's tough when you're talking about just single, uh, well, if you're using all three as just players, because obviously all three of them, well, all three players that you mentioned are probably going to have a positive effect on the game. So it's going to be talking about all three of them in a similar fashion, I would imagine. So I'm going to try and mix it up and be different to you two. Um, I'm going to go with one of my positives as Grant McCann. As a fan base, and us as a podcast, we have been quite negative about him. Probably justifiably so when we when we have been critical, it has been for a reason. So it's only fair that when he does something good, we praise him for it. So so what I'm gonna do is stayed strong in the media. He's not he's not buckled under pressure. Um, you know, you get some tough questions, especially from the likes of Bernsey. Um, and I think his resilience and his um desire to win is now actually becoming quite obvious. And I think it's reflecting back onto the players because they seem to have a, a togetherness and a belief in the system that he's playing because we are now starting to get a very good plan A. I mean, maybe we possibly still don't have a plan B, but no, we don't. when when plan <laughs> A is working as well as it is, I suppose you don't really need the plan B, do you? So, you know, that's going to be questions asked next year if we go up, I would imagine. But for this season, definitely, I think he's found a, a system, a style of play and personnel that, that is just perfect for what we need right now. So he's a positive for me. Another one would be Greg Dockey. Just to carry on with what you two were saying, is he's just phenomenal, isn't he? He's yeah, in the top yeah. three midfielders in the league for me. I just think his desire to, to retrieve the ball from our back line or whoever's playing in the, the midfield anchor role is... And then to push the whole team forward, sometimes single-handedly, just runs into space and doesn't stop. His close ball control, his um, willingness to drop into space and even get on the edge or into the box to score goals, 
he's just, I think, been the absolute catalyst since January. Because even in our bad run, he was the, the the standing light. I think from a from a poor run into this current great run. So yeah, he's a positive for me. And then, as we've mentioned before, this might be a cop out, but the whole team just for the run that we're on, you know, ten games unbeaten. Um, I think it doesn't come easy, especially not in this league. We've played the likes of Peterborough, Crew. We've had tough games, and it's it's one of them where you've got to look and you've got to be quite impressed because they all seem to know the role. They've all got a bit of very good understanding. I don't think you could come out of most games with a bad thing to say about many. Like we say, we're, we're going to be struggling. I think to pick some bad points. So that in itself is is positive because the whole team have just been absolutely phenomenal uh, and to get us to the point where we are now you know within touching distance of promotion and give us some good times after what we've suffered last season I just think um, you know kudos to the team so going on from the three good points we're going to I think quite difficultly try and pick three not necessarily bad points maybe things you know that are just maybe it could be a concern or a needs to be slightly better kind of thing. It can be player, staff, management, form, something said in the media, etc. cetera. Uh, same as this one, but the other way around. So we'll go for um, you this time, Will. Three bads. Well, I think I'll struggle to get three. I can maybe get one, two at best. One would be, and it's nothing to do with City, really. It's just them... Um, Peterborough managing to keep within win of you know, levelling us up. Before that game, they were on 73 and we were on 76. So it was just keeping ahead of them. It would have been nice to maybe get a bigger gap, but can't really complain about that when we won comfortably. In terms of negatives, there wasn't really any poor performances, but Malik Wilk was a bit quiet. But apart from that, I can't really think of anything, to be honest, negative-wise. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it is going to be a tough one, I think, when you know, we're in sort of form we're in to try and um, find something to improve on. So I, I, I understand if we can't, you know, find three necessarily. So your turn, Joel, try and script together three if you can. If not... Yeah, well, uh, it's just clutching at straws, really. This is, these are literally just the only things I can pick out of the game at all. It's sometimes Calamel that could be caught out of position a little bit when he's got forward. He's not getting back quick enough, leaving a gap at the back. It's giving the, the Plymouth winger the opportunity to get to get towards our penalty area. And Malik Wilkes as well, he seems to camp on the halfway line. He doesn't get back and defend. He leaves Louis Coyle on his own sometimes against two men. And it did, at times, make us look like they were going to maybe threat, but luckily they didn't. Yeah. I think with the fullbacks thing is the system we kind of play at the moment is that if one of them bombs on or both of them bomb on, um, whoever's playing in that midfield anchor tends to drop into the back three, well, back two and make it a back three. And then we end up playing like a three, five, two kind of thing. Because one of the wingers will go in, inverted because the fullbacks overlap. So uh, I think, yeah, it's, it, it can be sometimes an Achilles heel if the team gets in behind you. But I think for the attacking sense that we're on, it's it's a, it can be a positive. But like you say, when, when you're under the cosh, sometimes it can, it can be a negative. So I'll take that. Any more for you? Or? Are we finished there? I think I'm finished here. I don't know if um, and if I can pick anything else. Really, it's, it was a, <laughs> just a very good performance. I think um, Wilkes would be more than mine. Not as just necessarily a bad thing, and not necessarily just for the Plymouth game. I think he was his run of form in the last few games. He's been quite quiet. He hasn't played badly. He just hasn't done much of anything. I mean, he got he assisted Lewis Paul. It was a good little run and a nice pass to get him through for the goal at Plymouth, the first one. Um, but 
like we say, other than that, he didn't really do anything else in the game. Um, the last few games have been quite quiet. He popped up with a winner against Crew, but arguably that was the only thing he did in that game. It's harsh because, like we say, he's, 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 he's Wilkes. He's going to do that. He's going to frustrate you, but he's a very good player and he can win as a game. So it's not something to drop him over. It's just more of a, we need him to get back to his run that he was on when he scored his hat-trick against Wigan, that kind of form. And then we'll just be absolutely blitzing our way to the title. For another, for another to improve point, bad point, I would say... I did, I did make a comment on, it's quite harsh as well on Lewis Potter, but I think in in and around the box, he tends to lash at chances. I think he would have so many more goals if he properly focuses himself, you know, in front of goal. Oh, yeah. You mean yeah, like, I think like he did for his goal? Yeah, because I think a couple of the chances he had against Plymouth, he, he like balloons them over the bar or yeah, he just tends to rush his chance or lash at him. He hasn't got like that natural finishing ability yet. I mean, obviously, he's only 20 year old. He's going to get better. He's going to improve. It's going to come. Uh, he's not played that many games in his career. So it's understandable. It's not a criticism. It's just a, this is something probably that he needs to work on in his game. Yeah, I think when he gets in the box, he just needs to just to zone out from what's going on around him and just focus on on getting his shot on target and putting it in the net. And I think he'd probably have twice the amount of goals he has. And then going on that run, we could probably, <laughs> I could probably sneak Graves in there. I don't think he really had a chance against Plymouth. We did put, um, a money bet on him scoring against Plymouth quite late on, and he didn't, which was expected, but but still quite good. But I think, yeah, Gre- Greavesy for the same thing. Just, you know, because yeah. his aerial presence in the opposition box is brilliant. Like, you bank on him, he, he wins two or three headers from, from a set piece near enough every game. If he can convert at least one of them when he gets the chance quite regularly, he, he, his goal-scoring record is mad. Um, got six, seven already, I think. Yeah. I mean, That's it's... The fact that we're criticising a centre-back who's in his first season with us for not <laughs> scoring goals, I think is testament to how good he's been defensively this season because I think he's been absolutely brilliant. Yeah, um, I know yeah. this is supposed to be the bad points, but he was great defensively. I'm just saying that, especially against Gillingham, I'm going to rewind it to Gillingham. If he could have scored that chance and won that game, <sighs> we'd, we'd be a lot more sound. Like You shouldn't be missing that, should you? And he's done it a few times. He seems cursed. I think McGinnis stealing that goal off him was a bit harsh. <laughs> that, can, that can go on at that point. McGinnis shouldn't steal goals. But yeah, so we'll, what we'll do then is we'll move on to, because obviously we usually have about two games to, to cover, but with us at the end of the season, we're getting like one game a week, aren't we? So it's hard to fill the content. But we'll talk about the fact that Sunderland seem to have just fallen off a cliff. They've lost the last two games. Agent Adkins with Charlton. And then... You're Agent like least of agents... Will Keane. Then, yes, agent Will Keane of, of Wigan managing to pull out a 2-1 win. The best um, goal he's ever scored for City. So it puts us in a position now. So where are we? So we are eight points clear of Sunderland and they've got a game in yeah. hand. Is that right? I've got, yeah. I've got the table in front of me. We're three points clear of Peter Brennan. They've got a game in hand. And we're eight points clear of Sunderland, as you say, with a game in hand. Obviously, we've still got to play them as well. And they've got to play back Blackpool twice, who mm-hmm. seem unbeatable at the moment. So it's, it looks like Sunderland might now just become outsiders for the title, whereas they were probably favourites. They might be outsiders ago. for automatics in general now. I think it could be us and Peter Brunel, to be honest. With, with, with a Blackpool game that weekend, if Blackpool can beat them, and if we do our job against Fleetwood, we can go up on Tuesday. Yeah, the Tuesday game. I, they, that is that big this weekend. Is that so, so? Do we do we have to win both the games then? So if Sunderland lose yeah. on the weekend and we beat Fleetwood. Do, do we then have to beat Sunderland? We can't draw. 
we can't draw no, but I think if Sunderland draw if Sunderland draw with Blackpool I think we could still get promoted on it Tuesday. would take some really yeah. weird results for it to go that way yeah it, probably against we'll probably go up when we play Lincoln away if we play Lincoln away if we win our next two Lincoln away will probably get promoted. I mean, getting promoted against Lincoln or Sunderland, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't really be bothered about either of them because it'd be nice to get promoted against Lincoln. That would be funny. Oh, but yeah. Just because the Sunderland fans were so butthurt about um, Honeyman being better than McGeady, it'd be even more. If Honeyman scored the winner to get us promoted against Sunderland, I think it's probably the perfect scenario for me. I think it's where celebrate right in front of the Sunderland bench. <laughs> because... They were really, they were crying near enough, I think, weren't they? Yeah, um, it's only 4 2 magazine, Christ. I know, God. <laughs> so, we're looking in good stead. Um, do we think we're winning the title? Are either of you confident enough to say yes, or are we just sticking no. safe? <laughs> I'm not confident enough to no, say yes. You know I'll, say, I'll say it. We will win the, ti- win the title. That's what we like. Come I on, think we'll. we're going up, but I'm not know if we're winning the title yet. We are you winning the, the title. You've been the cop out of but, this episode. But Matt, Will, we are winning the title. Mean me if we don't win the title. I think it's it's worried because I thought Peterborough looked like they'd um, fallen off, but they're doing an us and they just keep picking up results lately. And I, I thought, you know, if if us and Sunderland were going to be the top two in in whatever order, then Peterborough would end up in in the playoffs. But I think it's going to have to be switched to. I think we'll win the league. Plymouth, Plymouth Port, not even Portsmouth. Um, Peterborough <laughs> second, God, um, and then Sunderland. I mean, the thing is, as well, form is so important if you're going to finish in the top six. I think, um, if Sunderland don't manage to pick up a, a top two spot and their form carries on being quite bad, it's mentally it's a, a harder, yeah. I think, to it overcome seems like the playoffs. In it seems like Oxford and Charlton and Blackpool on good, yeah, form. because the, the teams below you, yeah, if it. they earn their way into the top six, they're going to play better. Whereas if you you feel like the playoffs was just oh god, as if we got playoffs, you're going into it with a different mindset, I think, is is why mm. I don't like like you look at the likes of Brighton a couple of seasons ago and they missed out, and then it's just it happens so often that the team just missing out on automatic doesn't tend to go up through the playoffs because you know you're not as up for it. It's it's the outcome you didn't want. So yeah, we're in a good position, good win. Everyone seems in form. We don't look like we're going to concede goals at the moment, so that's very good. But we do have Fleetwood on Saturday, uh, which has obviously been brought forward to half past twelve. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Obviously for the for the royal funeral. What are we thinking then with Fleetwood? Slightly different proposition to what we had in the league with them with Barton. But what are we saying? What are we expecting? We're at home. I think we'll win, but it won't be easy. They'll have a certain Daniel Batty in midfield who's going to be out to prove a point against Grant McCann who never put him in the team. Yes. So that I think that's where our issue is going to lie. We need to try and neutralise Dan Batty. Yeah, he did He did say something in the press, didn't he, where it's, it's, he got a, a new contract quite quickly, didn't he, at Fleetwood? And he said something like, oh, well, it's nice to, to be um, to be recognised no. or rewarded or something. Yeah, so I think that was quite a... I think that was a subliminal, a subliminal dig at, at McCann, yeah. He might want us to go up. Maybe he wants his mates to go up. <laughs> nah, I think I think there'll be a tough game. I don't think they're as aggressive and as high pressing as they were under the Barton. Yeah. Um, but we saw in the cup games that they're not going to be a pushover either. I mean, we beat them both times at home in the cup competitions. One quite comfortably. The other one, we were two 0 down. It's Coyle's wonder strike that won it, wasn't it? So yeah, oh, it's going to be a mixed bag. I think I don't know how to call it. 
Come on then, Mr. Cop out, Will. What are we going to do? We're going to win or lose. I do think we're going to win, but as you say, it's a lot trickier to predict considering obviously it's a different team to the one we played earlier in the season. Um, they are in decent form. They've won the last two in a row, but they were against Wimbledon and Rochdale, obviously down near the bottom of the table. They nearly held Peterborough to a nil-nil draw, so there's still there's clearly still something there that can yeah. trouble up near the top. But I think I think I'm going to predict a t- another two-one, just a tight two-one game. Two-one. What score prediction, Joe? One-nil. Close, nitty encounter. I'm going to go with a comfortable two-nil. Comfortable two-nil. Goal in each half. Comfortable, yeah. I think we'll. Whoa. I think we're. I hope so. Top yeah. Prediction. Uh, are we saying the same team then, or would you change it? Yeah. Would you not add Gavin White in? Nope. Nope. It's same team, yeah. Him. It's nothing against. Oh him, yeah, I mean, it's but... hard to get into the team when they're in this kind of form. I just thought only... maybe someone would, might have an outlandish call. The, the only the only player that I could see being dropped would be Wilkes, but then you can't take Wilkes out of the team when he's yeah, got that it. one moment of magic he can bring out of anywhere. Yeah, like we mentioned, I don't really think McCann's even going to consider dropping Wilkes at any stage. Yeah, yeah. I think it would take some... I mean, he didn't even drop him when he had his little penalty fast. So, yeah, he's, he's, I think him, Honeyman, Doherty, the likes of them, they're the first names on the Team G every week. I don't... I mean, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're clutching at straws trying to think of any possible team selection. I just think he's going to go the same. It's tended to be like that for the last few weeks, barring injury or international duty. It's just been the, you know, similar... Starting 11, similar system. Why, you know, fix something that isn't broken, I suppose. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I'll be putting that in my final predictions. Um, So, we didn't get that many questions or topic discussions for Twitter. I think we got the one, didn't we? At at 19.04, Hull City AFC. Yeah. So, and what was the question? Is anyone, is there anyone Uh, you have rated as a City player that others didn't seem to? Right. See... I'm going to go to you, Will, because I feel like you 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 know yours already. Well, mine is one where I don't think anyone rated him, but I might be wrong. I always kind of I always liked really, really is um Paul McKenna, who mm. was central midfielder. When was it like 2011, 2012? Yeah. And I thought he was a decent worker, a decent defensive midfielder, did his job well, but he never similar to a lot of them, never really got any plaudits and I don't remember anyone ever talking about him so I don't know if he was ever actually liked. I think he was just a, he was just a no-nonsense. He was in the twilight of his career. One, he'd had a good career before coming to us. It was that, that stage where we were suffering from the Premier League fallout. We sort of just got some experience journeymen in to, to steady the ship, I think, under, under Square Red Pearson. So it was, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think he was a brilliant player or a bad one. But I, I always rated him. I thought he was he was he was okay. Like I said, he didn't put up any trees, but he, he was fine. Uh, what about you, Joel? Uh, well, this is gonna uh, cause a bit of a stir. But um, a certain Norwegian centre midfielder who was here a couple of years ago, uh, Marcus Henriksen. Now, a lot of people will probably be listening, thinking, "Why has he said that name? What's he doing?" But um, I think when he played in that season, he was captain. We tended to play better. Given he can stand in the middle of the field looking like a headless donkey, but sometimes he was that kind of calming measure in the midfield if we were on the back foot, which we were mostly under Adkins. But yeah, I know you, I know you two aren't going to agree at all with, well, you will agree with Marcus Henriksen because you'll think, well, no one really likes him. Ant has left the chat. That's what I'm saying there. <laughs> no, I think 
There was actually he had actually quite a large fan base. To be fair, amongst us, there was a lot of people that liked him. I, I, I'd say you're probably in the majority. That's only because he kissed the badge and waved his arms about after every game. Yeah, I didn't yeah. hate him, but I didn't really like him either. I wasn't bothered if he was in the team or not. Is my thoughts on Marcus Henriksen. and I just never thought that we saw anywhere near to the ability that he was supposed to have had when we signed. I mean, you've got to remember, we signed him as a Premier League team. We, we were hoping mm. he was going to be a Premier League standard midfielder. It's easy to forget that. Um, he came in and he was he was supposedly, you know, um, on the back of a season with quite a few assists. He was supposed to be a goal scorer in number 10. Maybe you could argue we played him more as a, as a holding midfielder, so he was out of position. But I just never watched him once and thought, he's a good player. I just uh, he he was always backwards. He was always sideways. He was never forward thinking to him. I, d- I thought it was bizarre that he got made the captain. I, j- I can't understand why. I thought there was at least two or three more players that probably deserved it above him. And I actually disagree with what you said about him us playing better when he was captain because he was captain for the full season. Um, the first half of the season, particularly, I thought we were quite poor. We only had a good run. Um, for me, under Adkins, over December, when we had that uh, win streak, like November, December time, I think we won seven games in a row or something. He was made to look okay when we played well. Uh, we got carried by the likes of Bonin Grisicki, I thought, all season. And he didn't really look like he'd rallied the troops to me. He was silent. It, you couldn't really hear him shouting. But I suppose people see performances in games differently. Uh, what's your thoughts on it, Will? Like I said, I... Henriksen was someone who like, I didn't I didn't hate. I thought he was okay, but I didn't think he was amazing either. I thought he, I thought he did have a few decent games, to be fair, every now and then. But I didn't think he was ever captain material. I think you know, like like we say, I think the games that he played well in tended to be the games that everyone played well in. I don't think that anything was down to him individually. Like we used to, if we'd have won five one, he maybe scored and done okay. But when, when you win five one, everyone's played all right. So. It's hard to pick him out as a positive when you know everybody else has done well at the same time. But I, I think I maybe probably have been a bit too harsh on him. I think I might get a couple, I might get some stick actually on Twitter for this because I know he had quite a few fans. I think he was treated very harshly as well the way we let he him go. I will say that. I mean, yeah, he got frozen out by McCann. Yeah, I mean, like I, I think obviously he must have had some clause about his money and playing games or something because that's the only explanation that you wouldn't put him in that team because. As, as much as I didn't rate him, the midfield did need a shake-up and he did need some new people in. And he went to Bristol and he played OK. So, you know, maybe it just needs the right system or manager to bring the best out of somebody and he might have been an example of that. But, yeah, what we did to him, I think, was a bit a bit harsh and uncalled for. So it would have been nice to maybe see him play one last season before leaving. But I've been struggling for mine because I, I tend to go with the majority in terms of players that are liked. I... I'm quite a sheep for the um, the good players. I think I've got more controversial opinions the other way around. Um, but I'm probably going to go with... I still don't know. I still don't know. Uh, George Long for the first season, not this season. First half of the first season, if you get me. No, I don't think I can have that one. No. You silenced me. Yeah, I mean, the thing was, we signed him and he was... You know, when at the end of the Adkins era where... He put him in for the last few games. He made some good saves and he looked good. And then the first half of the season, people were saying he's one of the best keepers in the league. And you can't tell me they weren't because even you did, Joel. He first half of that last season, he he did play okay. But yeah. I always said that he didn't look like he commanded his box enough. I tended I think to be he was protected. 
He was protected, I think, by Yordi and Reese at the back. Well, for the first half of last season, anyway. We'll just pretend the second half didn't happen. But I, I did think that a lot of City fans did say he was very good when he, there was some signs there that he probably wasn't the standard that we thought he was. And I think that became glaringly obvious in the second half of last season. And for what he's played this season, even the games that we've had clean sheets in, has been more because of the team in front of him um, and less about him making really good saves. I could probably count on one one hand this season the amount of good saves he's made, as opposed to you know the likes of Ingram, who I think is far more composed and more commanding. But you know, like we say, we've all got um, different opinions on games and stuff. Um, yeah. I think we said we was going to flip it around as well, didn't we? So the other way, is there any players that that you disliked but everybody else liked? We'll go to you first, Joel. Right, I might have to uh, hide my Twitter account after this, but. Um... It's our Swiss goalkeeper that we had in the Premier League, Eldin, Eldin Jakupovic, or whatever you pronounce it anyway. <laughs> but, um, I think it, it was it was okay. It, it wasn't the Lord everyone kind of. I don't know. I don't know how to put it really, but everyone seemed to praise him as this really good goalkeeper. It, all, all all he fell for me, he did was maybe kiss the badge a few times kind of play to the crowd a little bit, make a couple of good saves, but overall, he was a bang-average goalkeeper. He went to, like, um, he went to Leicester and he can't, he, he couldn't even push Ben Hamer or Danny Ward off the Leicester bench. That's how bang-average he is. Um, to anyone listening, this is the last episode that Joel will ever feature. Um, <laughs> but on that, I mean, the thing is with El- Jakubovic, it isn't just necessarily his ability as a goalkeeper, it was his desire to play for this team and to get better for me. He, when we first signed him, I think it was Bambi that signed him. I think when we first signed him, um, it was. He, he was quite poor. Uh, we didn't want him anywhere near our goal. I remember him doing really, really bad errors quite regularly whenever he was called upon. Um, he would look very shaky, very, very... He looked completely out of place in the team. It was like he was, you know, he'd, he'd not settled in this country, whatever. Uh, but he just didn't look very good at all. And I thought that the longer he was with us, the more he improved and the better he got. And to say that from what I can remember of him signing, how bad he was to how consistently good he got before he left, I think to me reflects what a player should be like, you know, staying and fighting for your place, not spitting your dummy out or trying to leave the first chance. Beforehand, you know, he could have just quite easily sank into the reserves on the sub bench and been happy with it, but he didn't. He, he, every cup game he got, you know, he made some that performance at Arsenal away. It was that save he made when he looked back at the re- the replay and he was like, "Ah, oh, that was it's crowd playing, crowd playing." That's what I'm saying. Well, yeah, because it was a quality save. He deserved it. But yeah, what was wrong with to me? He, yeah, he just for me it was always a. It was an improvement story. It was similar to McShane in the way that he started, and he was quite, you know, he was he was the joke of the starting lineup if he was playing, but he got to be quite an integral part of what was a good team and a good promotion season. So that's for me is why I like him. I mean, I can understand why some people might not rate him like yourself, but what about you, Will? What do you think? Oh, yeah, I bloody love the man. So I'm fully biased against Joe's opinion here, I'll be honest. (laughs) I'm going to say mine, actually. I don't know if you'll remember him, Joel, but Jack Hobbs. Was you going to say Hobbs, Will? Yeah. (laughs) I I just... I cut. The guy looked like... Bambi on ice whenever he was defending, and everyone seemed to think he was one of the best, one of the best defenders we'd had in years. I think Anthony Gerrard was levels above him. Oh, um, great. I just never. I, I remember sitting 
in because um, we were in the East Stand at that point. It was before we all got moved. I remember pretty much being very vocal about how much I disliked him near enough every game. And I had a guy sat in front of me. He might remember me, basically telling me that I was an idiot because Jacob was great and I shouldn't be saying what I'm saying, etc. And I genuinely just thought the amount of goals we conceded that season because he had the mobility of the Titanic or his inability to read the game or where the ball was heading, it was... It was comical at times and I just really didn't, really, really did not rate him. And when he left, I was actually quite pleased because I just thought we needed to get rid of him, really. I mean, when you comp- especially when you compared him to the likes of um, um, Ayala and Gerard, for example, and James Chester, I think, was was his partner for quite a while. It's just, yeah, yeah I, I really didn't rate him. So is there anything you want to add on it since I stole yours? As if we chose the same player, that's mad. Well, I was struggling to think of one, but I was also going to go for um, yeah, I didn't hate him as vociferously as you do, but I never thought I thought he was the weakest of those defenders. Yet he got as much praise as those other defenders. Yeah, I can't I can't remember the back four entirely. Was it was it Dudgeon? No, it was Andy Robertson still for a bit, wasn't it? No, it was Dudgeon when Hobbs was here. Was it Dudge? Dudgeon, Hobbs, Chester, Rosinia, Rosinia, Rosinia. Yeah, Who yeah. I just I, I didn't hate him. Like, I'm pretty sure he's a nice guy. <laughs> I just didn't think he was a very good defender. And I think he was he was nowhere near as good as, as some of the fans made out. But I guess you get that sometimes, don't you? I mean, Ian Ashby even at times got quite a bit of criticism from fans. So, um, he did. You know, it, it have, people see games differently, don't they? And, and, you know, I think I focus on a play. If I don't like a player, I tend to focus on every negative he does and probably don't look at the positive. So I will admit to that. <laughs> I think we're all guilty of that sometimes. You more like than us. Us. Yeah, probably me more than others, I will admit. So that is it. We have covered everybody now, haven't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right. So we haven't got anything else to add other than um thanks for listening anyway, guys. It's been quite a <laughs> quite a funny episode. If you um I'm pretty sure if you've listened to the full episode, it'd sound quite um organized and informative, hopefully. Um I'm pretty sure if Will sticks the outtakes on, you'll understand why it's quite a <laughs> it's been such a chaotic episode um, but yeah thanks for listening as always we do appreciate all the support we've been getting we're always welcoming to anybody who wants to get in touch you know our Twitter handle at Hull underscore and underscore back you'll see all of our personal handles on it as well other than that there isn't anything else I want to add what about you guys? no, no else. nice podcast as always no right sound so we'll see you later thanks guys cheers So far, to be fair. Um, oh, ah, right. <laughs> this is staying in. Yeah, it needs to.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.